from Mark Farner's American Band, and you're listening to Radio Bypass. I'm in love with the girl that I'm talking about. I'm in love with the girl I can't live without. I'm in love, but I sure picked a bad time to be in love. today has had 14 top 40 hits, five top 10 hits, two number one hits, has amassed a total of 16 gold and platinum records, has sold 30 million records worldwide, and 50 years into his impressive career is still rocking the world. Today we are honored to be joined by the legendary Mark Farner. How are you, Mark? Hey, I'm um I'm really good, and I'm proud to be sucking air, Brother Ralph. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Like they say, every day above ground is a good day, right? Yeah, that's right, buddy. (laughs) For sure. So, Mark, you have had one heck of a career, and I know um, you you had a lot of tour dates where you were kind of celebrating your 50 years uh, throughout 2019 and 2020, I am, I'm assuming some of those dates probably got curtailed because of our pandemic, but did you get yes. a lot of your 50th anniversary shows in before that hit? We got a few, but uh, we we sure had a lot more than we needed to get in, and, you know, as far as getting to our fans. Right. Fans, uh, fans are like, uh, they, they're number one, and right now they're clamoring for something. <laughs> Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think maybe, I still don't think it'll be this year, but I think 2022, I think rock shows are going to go nuts. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. So maybe, maybe you'll have to celebrate whatever anniversary that'll be by then, 2022. You'll have to go out for that kind of tour, 53 years <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, man. But Turn to, it up another notch. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But to keep fans rocking with some live music, though, you do have, coming soon, April 6th, a live DVD. Tell us about that. Yes, it was recorded in Santiago, Chile, at Teatro Calpalacan, which is like a theater, like in the round, you know, the with the bleachers on the backside and all around you, and... Uh, just a wonderful, loving audience. The fans, they so enjoy the U.S. rockers. Right. And, uh, and they sing my songs, brother, with, in English to me, you really? know. Nice. Yes. 
it's it's amazing and you can hear it on the DVD it's it's it overcomes the PA at at times i mean really it's it's just it's great it's that kind of vibe and i more than one person told me when i was there that they learned english so that they could determine what i was saying in my songs and that was touching their hearts. It was something about it, and they wanted to know what it was. And so, wow, that's like that's a that's really a it gets my heart. You know, it's a satisfying, it's soul satisfaction to know that the music is is that kind of uh, a communicator. It, it has no barriers right. as far as language. You know, uh, because our hearts all speak compassion and love in the same key <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> that's that's really cool though and, and if they were that enthusiastic i mean you're already a pretty uh exciting front man to watch but that probably even gave you kicked your energy up another notch you got it brother yeah that that kicked the adrenaline in and uh, and we had a great show and besides the 16 performance tracks that are on the DVD, there's two bonus videos, one of, of which is available on markfarner.com for a free download and has been since Veterans Day. We we uh, brought it on to, to uh, commemorate our veterans and to celebrate our freedom because of their service to us. Right. And uh, and we put uh, we put it up that day and it's been up uh, the whole time and there's five new tracks uh, on this DVD, five new songs um that uh, as a bonus. So and it's for 14.99. Such a deal, Ralph. That, that is such a deal. That is such and a deal. And $3 of each uh DVD sold, my wife Lisa and I are giving to Veterans Support Foundation. It is a charity that's in our heart, and I've been working with these guys, same guy since the 70s, uh, guitar. Uh, you know, we did it in Detroit at Harpo's Guitar Army with uh, greats uh, such as Dick Wagner and Rob Tyner from the MC5, Randy, California. There was uh, oh, there was all kinds of different local uh, Michigan acts, awesome. Savage Grace and the Rationals. And, yeah, it, uh, but these people, they are veterans, serving veterans. They're they're helping veterans, mm-hmm. and a lot of veterans have returned to our country that have been exposed to things. I mean, you know, remember the vet, the Vietnam veterans who were agent orange and, yes, uh, sir. That, you know, diabetes and prostate cancer and then the Gulf war illness effects and Iraq and Kuwait and uh, Afghanistan, they suffer, you know, the PTSD and just all the, that you hear about, they need help and right. they don't get enough attention on lamestream media. In my opinion, my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. And, so Veterans Support Foundation steps in here because they are successful, have houses to, to take people from off the street. For our brothers and sisters that need help, veterans who risk their safety to protect ours, I, I really recommend highly that people um, pay attention to the Veterans Support Foundation if they know a veteran uh, if it's okay with you, I'd like to give an 800 number. Uh, of if course. they know of somebody that needs help or that if you see a veteran on a, the street, give him this number. And these people will get them some help, get them back into society. The number is 800-882-1316. That's toll free, 800-882-1316, Veterans Support Foundation. Perfect. I just wrote that down, so I'll make sure I put that on our social media and website. Thank and all you, that Brother stuff. Ralph. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, man. Well, you have yeah, always, I mean, I, I've seen that throughout your career. You've always stood by the vets. I think that's awesome that you always Thank have shown you. that kind of support. 
Yeah, I love them. They're my they're my kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, you know, I I, I knew a guy uh, some years ago. We've kind of lost touch, but I know you touched him uh, way back, probably in like 1970. Um, because he had been in Vietnam and did not have a good experience. And so when he came out, this is the story that he told me, that when he came out, all he cared about, he wanted to be Mark Farner. So he grew his oh. hair like yours, um, did everything to be like Mark Farner was at that time. And for many Bless years, he still was. <laughs> Last time I Bless saw him, he still heart. looked like that. And but he well, said, thank you. But he said you, and of course your music as well, but... The way that you always showed your support, even back then, really was the thing that got him through. Believe it or not, that 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 was a comment he had made to me many many years ago. Well, thank you for sharing that, brother Ralph. That uh, that really touches my heart. I, I'm I'm very happy uh, to have uh, contributed to that guy. Yep, you know, you did. You definitely did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, while we're while we're talking about things like that, things that you try to do to help, um, maybe that's a good. This is a good time to talk about something you're doing right now too, with a GoFundMe page for your hometown or your home state, Michigan, for flood victims. Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you, Ralph. It's Mark Farner's Mid Michigan Flood Relief which is aimed to uh, raise money to give to these victims who have lost everything. It's the same thing as our poor brothers and sisters who lost their houses out there in California. I mean, everything, you can replace the house, but everything in it, it took you a lifetime to collect, (laughs) you know? And so not only was the, uh, there the devastation uh, and it was covered in the local news for one night, but, uh, you know, the, the uh, damage is done and the people are still recovering. And the Michigan Red Cross is there uh, helping people uh, to get back, you know, on their feet, get back uh, to a normal life. And uh, so we want to give this money in support of that effort uh, for our Michigan Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And, and um, I will post the address. You, you don't have the address in front of you for the GoFundMe page. I know you, you can just go to GoFundMe and search Mark Farner, right? It's under your under yes. your name. Yes, it is. Okay, so that would be great. So there's something else you can do, folks. That's a good thing to do. Check out the Mark Farner GoFundMe page for these flood victims. Um, it's great when we all pitch in to help. And, and we always hear so much of the negative news, and it's so nice when we see some of the good stuff. So here's something good you can be involved with. Yeah, man. Absolutely. For we sure. appreciate your help too, Ralph. Uh, no problem, Mark. I, I think it's great that you do these things and that you care. I, I, the, the GoFundMe thing, I, I, I saw the, um, the, the introduction you gave to it, and I thought that was you know fantastic. I can tell it's from your heart. So that's... That's the kind of stuff that always gets me. I want to help as much as I can. Amen. Yeah, brother. Thank you. All right. Um, so, segueing back to music a little bit. So we've got yeah. we've got the new DVD coming out, which is exciting. But you've also more recently, because I, I promised people that we would find out what Mark Farner's been up to in recent times. And yeah, and I know that not too long ago you ended up working with the Ides of March, Jim Peterick, and you were on one of their, I think their most recent release. How did that connection come to be? Well, Jim Peterick and and I, uh, we were on the Moody Blues Cruise together. Okay. And and we got to talking, and he told me about his world stage. I had never heard of it, but he told me about it and asked me if, if I would be interested. And I said, of course I would be, man, I'd be honored to, you know, right. Yes. And, and all the different talent that's up there and the players, dude, I'm telling you, he's got a good bunch of people backing him up and them horn player. I mean, um, uh, and the, the guitar player that they bring in, you know, and that, there's a couple of different drummers that switch in and out, and right. it's it's really it feels good. It's a good time, and uh, I love doing it. The first time I did it, I just man, I, 
I said, uh, these people really appreciate what you're doing, and they show it, and it comes in waves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and what's cool yes, about that event, too, is that he's continued to do it. He did the first one in 2000 and has continued to do it annually ever since. Obviously, this year it didn't happen in January, but but that, yeah. that, that when he did the very first one, um, he said, yeah, we're, I think we're going to do this again, I remember, because I was at that one. And sure enough, it's continued now for what would have been 21 years. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. So you God ca- bless him. So you came to do the gig, and then you stuck around Chicago a little bit, helped write some songs. What, <laughs> what happened there? Well, yeah, we uh, we got together at his place and, uh, you know, tossed some, some ideas back and forth, and then... He said he, um, that they had a a song that they wanted me to to sing on, um, and it's going to be on this 55th anniversary. I mean, just think about that, brother. 55 years, and it's all the same guys, yes. and they get along great. Yep, <laughs> I know. It, it is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the only band I know of that's, that's still got the original members, and they, they're still functioning. Right, but uh, yet after he told me about the the song because he he said you have something, and somebody said it uh, it's some kind of swagger, you know because I come out and I do some kind of wonderful and I dance around a little bit. I like to get the audience involved. I you know I like to get involved with the audience, right. and and we're dancing back and forth a little bit. You know I, I'm trying to. Uh, to be as friendly as I can to as many as I can. So it ha- it's a pretty good, uh, you know, have a good time. That's, that's my effort. And he said, it's, it's a swagger. You got this swagger and I want you to come listen to the song. And they sent me the song and I thought, wow, that's cool. You know, right. what a compliment in the first place. And to have a song that was inspired by a, a me being the person and I'm going to sing on it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, man. Yes. So I had a blast in there recording with those guys and just being around them and, you know, because of the love that's there and, uh, and, and be, and feeling like I'm just, I'm one of the guys, you know, they, they make me feel like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I like the, some of the lyrics. I don't know if you wrote them or Jim wrote them, but you got that one section where it's uh, he's got swagger, that's all it takes. It's all about the sizzle. It ain't about the steak. <laughs> yeah, that that's Jimbo. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I like those lines, and your vocal on that was, was excellent, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. So that's pretty cool. So I assume when we can get back to live shows, perhaps us in Chicago will get a chance to see you at a world stage show again. Oh, yes. Uh, And I believe it's going to be sooner than later. From what I understand. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yes. Yeah, man. I try not to be pessimistic, but, you know, I just don't know with with this crazy virus. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, but yeah, I hope so. That would be wonderful. So Me too, brother. <laughs> so you collaborate with 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 Jim and the Ides of March. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And now you also have done a collaboration whose new record drops tomorrow and that's Alice Cooper. You're on the Detroit yeah. Stories record? On the Breadcrumbs EP which was the the record that was like a uh, teaser. Yeah, that came out in, for the yeah. Detroit uh, stories. But to to share the room, you know, with the uh, Johnny Badanchik, you know, from the Detroit Wheels, locking us down. And when when Johnny B hits that snare drum, you are locked in there. <laughs> he has the deepest groove. Uh, you know, to, to to hear it on a record, you think that they've got some kind of uh, control over it or some kind of compression or something that's that's making it do what it does. No, that's him. Wow. <laughs> that is him, man, and he lays it deep. 
and and to play with Wayne Kramer from the MC5. Uh, you know, I remember the MC5 at uh, Detroit Fairgrounds um, for the Michigan State Fair when we played with those guys, and uh, there was a bunch of local Michigan bands there as well. Um, but when when the MC5 went on, man, every head and, and within a half a mile turned to look <laughs> to see what the hell this is. <laughs> What's that wall of sound, huh? Yeah, man. So uh, and and working with Bob Ezrin and Alice, what a perfect gentleman Alice is. I mean, what a, what a great guy. He's a very humble man, and. This, this, I've seen this with my own eyes, so this is not just hearsay. He can be at a restaurant eating. The food is there. He's got a fork in his hand. It's halfway between his plate and his mouth, and somebody steps up and says, Can I get your... He'll put that fork down and sign the autograph on the album or whatever they got. Right. I'm telling you. Yeah, he he is a badass in my book. Yeah, and and Ezrin uh, is an intense, a very intense producer. Mm-hmm. Uh, God bless him. And uh, our the bass player that was on the session, Paul Randolph, was uh, he's a Detroit boy, and he was a uh, impressing me, man. I'm thinking, wow, this guy can play. And then we go in to do the background vocals with overdub on a ba- uh, BGs, and I'm standing there with Paul, and he's like, you know, six three, six four, something like that. And I'm down here at five seven, and I'm thinking, <laughs> how does he get that high note, that squeaking high, really high note, to come out so beautifully? This guy can sing, and I, I got with him after the session and asked him if he would. Uh, come out and tour with us and play bass and he has been playing bass ever since and i mean we did we got a few gigs under our belt and a few acoustic gigs because i take uh, dusty denunzio from windsor ontario as second guitar and then we we take paul randolph on the on the bass and then the three of us can do an acoustic uh presentation you know and that works good right uh, a lot of people love the acoustic because you can, you know, sit, like sitting in your living room, eh, and talking with people, talking to the audience and playing different songs and yeah. kind of laid back, you know. Right. But uh, always a, a fun time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned Dick Wagner a couple of times. Didn't he, wasn't he your producer on either your first or second Mark Farner record? He was on the first yeah, he was on the first one, and uh, what an experience uh, to have him, you know, doing the production. And he was my one of my heroes uh, when I was growing up and learning how to play guitar. Man, Dick Wagner was like, "Wow, this guy can play his butt off." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because I thought I remembered that connection. Uh, it's been a, quite a long time since I've looked at that album cover, but I, I thought I remembered that. Yeah, man. So thanks for confirming that. Okay. In fact, one of my favorite uh, songs from those records would, I guess, would have been the one that he produced. And uh, it was the first one because I, e- "Easy Breezes" that was from the first one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I love that song. I thought that um, that had a perfect vocal. I, I, I just, I, I thought that was a great, great song on that record. Thank you. I appreciate that so much, brother. Yeah, no. I kind of like that song myself. <laughs> As you should. As you said. And speaking of your songs, you know, obviously we talked about you having all these top 40 hits, top 10 hits, number one hits, amazing. We know Bad Time and I'm Your Captain, songs like that were huge and certainly are going to be your favorites and I'm sure still in your repertoire today. But if you went to your past and looked for some, some deep tracks, like what would one or two of your favorite deeper tracks be? I Come Tumbling. Okay, good one. And uh, Destitute and Losing. 
Perfect. Okay. Yep. Those are good deep choices. Mine, my favorites aren't quite as deep probably, but I, I always loved politician, no lies and creeping. Those were three of my uh-huh. big favorite ones. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, problem. I love playing those songs. Do, do, do any of those still make the cut in today's set? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause we switched in and out, you know, we rotate songs in and out, but, uh, the, the three piece, you know, back when uh, it was the funk, the, the original trio, right. Those songs, when we play them live, that's the way, uh, they get them. And people really appreciate it that, uh, that we could still pull it off and that we're still singing them in the same keys. Yeah. And live. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> no machines. No machines. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And, and and going back to that time frame, was it seven, 1970 or was it 71? Wasn't one of those two years, didn't you guys have four records out in one year's time? Yeah. It was uh, it was 71, I believe. I mean, that's yeah, unheard of. Even then, that's kind it. of unheard of. But especially yeah. now, to think about four records in a one-year period that's that's unbelievable i mean i can't even imagine that you guys ever slept and then and we did shea stadium that year (laughs) right right and sold it out the fastest ever faster than the beatles yeah that's right what what was that gig like at shea stadium could you even hear yourself yes we we had front of house you did uh but we yeah we were kind of singing to front of house but uh it, because of the shape of the stadium, it's a like a half a bowl, right? And and the base, the front um, of the stage is, is based at the second base, mm-hmm. and there is a that must be the focal point of that U-shaped stadium because when these people sang, "I'm getting closer to my home," man, oh my god. I'm telling you right now, I, I got goosebumps on my goosebumps just telling you about it. And uh, and that night, it was a communication that I, like, I'd never experienced before. I mean, this awesome. the volume, the sheer volume of those people. And then I thought after that, I went, wow, what a great place to play ball. I mean, for the <laughs> ball players, you know, all that focal, all that sound coming at them man that's 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 where you do it <laughs> that's awesome i always wondered yeah. about that because back then it seemed like we didn't really have the kind of sound systems and monitor systems that we have today well certainly we didn't have the monitor systems we have today for sure um right. so i always wondered when you play a place like that you know can you hear anything you know can you even tell if you're singing on key for example well cae custom audio electronics had built a system for us and we were traveling with that PA system and we leased uh, a 727, took all of the front seats and mid seats out. We left the seats in the tail section for the bands and we were out with blood rock. Mm -hmm. Um, But we put 17,000 pounds of PA and lights in that airplane with us and flew around the country, man. It was crazy. Man, <laughs> man, how big was that crew to load and unload that every night? Oh, there was eight guys and then our uh, road manager, but we, we had to carry, and the guys that we had just happened to be just huge, big guys. And uh, one the one night at, at uh, Madison Square Garden when... Terry Knight was trying to confiscate our equipment, saying that he was the rightful owner of this equipment or something. Right. Anyways, uh, when when the sheriff and the lawyers uh, showed up on stage and were saying they're they're going to take the equipment, <laughs> these roadies walk up and they are they look like trees looking down at these guys, <laughs> you know, and they said, "No, you don't understand. This is for." The Phoenix House. This is for 
raising money for a drug rehab. You are not going any place with these amplifiers. And the only place you are going is off the stage now. We have to continue our rehearsal. Thank you, gentlemen. And they walked them off, and that was it. That's awesome. Yeah. But but yeah, but man. the but the legend of that, the story is though that you still you guys still got screwed because then they came after the gig and took your equipment, right? Yes. Yeah, that's but, awful. Yeah, it's awful. But we got our equipment back. It's just a matter of legal, you know, volleying back and forth. It's like nuts. Uh, and I can tell you why the Bible says stay out of the courts. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i'm sure most people that are fans of yours know all the the craziness you had with that terry night that's just terrible i'm, I'm yeah. glad you guys survived it though and you came out the other side even though not yep. the way you should have and it always yep. bothers me being a musician advocate that i am it always bothers me to see musicians not get the money that they deserve but, uh, you know, you're young, you, you make the best decisions you can at the time, and sometimes it yeah. screws you. <laughs> yep, that's right. And I did get to talk to Terry Knight uh, before he died, and I told him that I had forgave him for, you know, everything that that uh, he pulled on the band and all the, all the, the bad things. I said, you know, I, I forgive you for that because I, do, I don't want it to eat my lunch, so... Right, I, you know, I just let that stuff go, and I want you to know, dude, I, that I hold nothing against you. But it's a lesson that I want to pass forward to all of my young musician friends that they don't fall into this trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. Was he was he gracious about that? Yes, he was. Yeah. Well, and, cool. Yeah, he, he, he received it very well, but uh, and I I was surprised, but uh, I I can't hold anything even against you know other two people that that press me all the time. Right, uh, I can't hold anything there. I just gotta you know let it go because uh, that's my power. I will decide what I want to do with it. I'm not going to get my feathers ruffled because of somebody initiating some kind of um, evil kind of stuff. You know, it's hatred that drives that stuff. So, right. Uh, and I'm going to serve love with the rest of my years, Brother Ralph. And, as you, as you have choice. been. As you have been. Yes. And yeah, yeah, and that's good. But yes, obviously it would be wonderful if you three could all get on the same page. Um, Agreed. You know, be, it always hurts me when I see read stuff like that, knowing everything that went down with you, that, you know, you guys were friends for so long. And then, you know, yeah. you're where you're at today, you know, I, I feel very fortunate. I have many friends that have been friends for decades and they're very important to me. And I would think that nothing ego or anything would ever get in the way of those friendships. But, you know, yeah. obviously sometimes it does anyway. And it's just, it's just kind of sad. So, but hopefully maybe someday you guys will get, <laughs> get past that. Hopefully. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that. I've been saying every year at the corporate meetings, telling these guys that we need to be going out as the original band and that, uh, they should be doing everything they could with the corporation to make the most money for the corporation. Right. But they, they you know, the burrs under uh, the drummer's saddle. And even though I will, because for the sake of uh, the music fans, I will go out with these guys. It doesn't bother me because I have forgiven them already. I, right. I, right. I wouldn't let it bother me ever. Wouldn't nothing. Uh, it's just how I am anymore, you know, sure. but for the sake of the fans, man, I'm, you know, I'm a music fan too. And when the Beatles were all still sucking air, dude, I thought, why the hell don't you guys just bury the hatchet and do it for us? Do us shows. We want to see you guys, you know, it's like, uh, so I understand from that perspective, what a grand funk fan is saying and, and probably in the same way. Why the hell don't you just do it for us? And right. I would love to. I would love to. And I want the fans to realize I would love to. But I'm not the one 
who is saying no. I'm the one saying yes, trying to drive this thing and uh, getting no response in the positive column. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're right. The fans would eat it up. Are you kidding? I mean, when's the last time you guys played live, uh, like like widespread? Probably that was in the early 80s, right? 98. Oh, not, as recently as 98. Okay, well, even still, that's a really long time ago, but a little more yeah. recent than I thought. <laughs> yeah. It, it was after the reunion thing in the Bosnia album came out. Mm, that's right. I forgot about that. I, re- I remember that now. Yeah. Right on. Ah, well, that's too bad. Well, listen, Mark, I know um, we're getting short on time here, so, but I just had a couple more things I just wanted to ask you. Number one, yeah, you mentioned the Beatles, so we know that was one of your influences, but who else were some of your main influences when you were starting out? Uh, Jeff Beck, Yardbirds, that, that stuff. Wow. <sighs> my number one guitar player, that guy. Jeff Beck is my yeah. very favorite. Yep. Me too. His tone is uh, impeccable. And I saw him at the IMA Auditorium in Flint, Michigan, and he stood that uh, Telecaster on the on the edge of it on the stage, and was like w- waving like he's commanding it with his hands. And he's got this thing turned to fifteen. It's just screaming. It's it just wow. He's putting on a show, and. I thought, wow, man, that's, you know, I'm watching the audience responding to his nature. And he was a showman, you know, he was putting it on, man. And it was working. And I, it, it's part of what spurred me uh, to, to be the guitar player that I am and, and to emphasize whatever I'm doing, uh, emphasize it so that the person in the last row could see what you're doing. So. Mm-hmm. And that's, I got that from Terry Knight. He kept telling me to do that. And, uh, and I, so I picked it up, but not only, uh, you know, uh, Yardbirds and Jeff Beck, but, uh, like cream when, uh, Clapton's first guitar sound, man, that, that killed us, man. It was like, Oh my God, my, the band that I was in, um, we were, my buddy was guitar player too, man. We'd set up and, play that cream stuff and just oh the tone right it, yeah it was the tone of that axe and then he never you know he never produced that kind of tone again it was all something different but right th- that's the kind of stuff that we were in involved in, you know impressed and we'd try to play and and i would go out and in these other bands that I was with prior to Grand Funk, you know, all of our childhood, well, from the age of 15 on, uh, that's when I started playing guitar. Right. Uh, but uh, we would play all these songs at the Battle of the Bands and at the Hops. And back then is when uh, disc jockeys would, they'd have a, a dance, you know, at the Lakeland Castle at the, up in um, Michigan on one of the Great Lakes. And it's, you know, bunch of people pour out a few thousand people as we play and you know it was our upbringing and uh it was good because we had community that was knit together by the radio stations that were owned by the people mm-hmm. back then prior to the deregulation of the fcc yeah. um, the the guitar yeah, I mean, but uh the all of the stations the the 777 rule they were owned by families with moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and people that were conscious uh, over our kids. And they had a, this conscience over what our kids saw and heard on the television and on the radio. And in 1996, when the deregulation occurred under the Clintons there, uh, that conscience went away and so did all the good radio. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it really did, buddy. And people don't realize that change. But I came from a time when we listened to radio prior to having a TV. So I know what it's like to use your imagination and listen to the Lone Ranger or the, the Creaking Door or Flash Gordon or, you know, Amos and Andy on the on the radio. Right. And then it then graduate, you know, when I'm nine years old, I start, we got a television when I was nine years old. 
And so, you know, I've, I've experienced all of the different mediums uh, for doing music and for hearing music and seeing music. And uh, I think the, the, there's a great discredit to music when music videos were born because it trapped the imagination of that, the listener uh, because, with their eyes. That, that is and, so cool to hear you say that because I feel like I'm the only one because I, you know, all, people always say to me you know, for years now, hey, did you see the video for such and such? No, but I listened to the song and the song's great, you know, because I always wanted with, you know, music speaks to you, right? And you can interpret yes, those lyrics your way. Exactly. When you have the video, well, now that song kind of always sort of brings that image into your mind. So I always like hearing, I don't mind watching videos later, but I like to absorb the song, the lyrics, just audio only before I see yeah. any visual and see what that song, how it speaks to me before yeah, I see man. what somebody else created. So that is amazing yeah. that you said that because I feel like I'm the only one that, <laughs> that feels that way about video. No, it's it's the same thing. as like if you hear somebody telling you that they they went to see a movie but the movie sucked compared to the book. It's because their imagination was at play and it was being exercised while they were reading that book. And our imaginations are way better than any movie, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Uh, so uh, WNEW New York, I was there doing an uh, interview and, you know, on the air, and they told me that they took a poll, and uh, Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water, they wanted a hundred different people to, to give them their definitions. So they they got the definitions, and they got a hundred diversely different definitions. Really? He said, you would not believe. There was not even one of them that was close to another one. Wow. Well, and out of a hundred, I would think there'd be a little bit of overlap, you know? Yeah, but he he said no, man. It's just crazy, wacky. And I said no. That's that's healthy. Yeah, you're right. That is healthy, man. We yeah. need our imaginations pricked, and we we need to use that part of our brain. Yes, we got some maturing and some evolving to do here. <laughs> right, right, man. That that blows my mind, though. That out of a hundred, that there'd be no overlap. That that's crazy. I mean, that's great. Yeah, that's crazy. I wouldn't believe that. It really is. Wow. And wow. Yes, the people that know I'm your captain, like I've had a lot of people ask me, what does that song mean? What does it mean? And it, I says, whatever it means to you. Mm -hmm. Because when I wrote it, I was not conscious of any meaning. I was in a state of mind between sleep and conscious. Mm -hmm. And and I was in touch with that part of creation and I was being fed because I prayed for that song and I pray all the time. But that particular night after my Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep prayer, I asked God to give me a song that would reach and touch the hearts of those that the Creator wanted to get to. Right. And those the words to that song came in the middle of the night and I just sat up and, and wrote them down on my legal pad right there I keep next to my bed. But in that state of mind, I wasn't making any sense of it and I wasn't even trying. I was just trying to hear the words and as they come, get them written down before you know the, other, the next line comes. <laughs> and, right, right. and yeah, and so in the morning, you know, got up and made the coffee. I'm sitting there and I grabbed my guitar, my acoustic. I had a Washburn, George Washburn, sitting in the corner, and I grabbed that acoustic, started playing, and and I went, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I grabbed this inversion of a C chord that has a chime to it and it just really caught my attention because I'd never played that chord. I just grabbed out of thin air, but it was there and I, I looked down and I'm studying where my fingers are on that <laughs> fretboard because I don't want to lose this chord. Right. And uh, and I started playing the rhythm thing to it and then I thought, wow, 
well, maybe the words that I wrote last night, maybe that is a song. I'll, I'll go grab them. So I grabbed the words, brought them in, laid them down next to my coffee and, and sang them out, man. Played that song and wrote it right there. Uh, it was so fast. It, and after I knew and I, it was affirmed that this, this was definitely a song, it just came together. And the end, with all the orchestration uh, that comes in, was done by Tommy Baker, who was the band leader on the Upbeat show in Cleveland. And we used to go there and play with Terry Knight and the Pack, and then we were there as the Pack, and and as Brand Funk, we were on that Upbeat show. But he was the band leader, and he knew we were going to do, because I played him a song a little bit on my guitar when we were there playing. And he says, "Dude, man, stretch that thing out and give me a give me room," because uh, <laughs> I asked him if he could hear anything on it, and he says, "Yeah, I can hear." He he says, "Just give me room." He says, "When you think you can't play another round, keep going." He says, "I want that thing long, long, long." He says, "Because I'm hearing things in my head right now, Farner." He says, "You're gonna love this stuff," That's and I so did. Cool. That is so yeah, cool. man. So, so since you talked about that song, so how long did the whole thing take to put that all together? Because that ended up being what about a nine and a half minute song or so. Yes, and it it only took the uh, because he had already written the parts, and uh, it only took him, you know, setting with the. It, it was it done in Cleveland. The Cleveland uh, Symphony did it at Cleveland Recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they did it in sections, you know, uh, and so it, it, it was quick. They didn't have to go over and over and over. They would just take sections, and you know, when you're doing it that, and it's it's perfected. Right. Uh, it goes together pretty quick. So we had it together. That that whole thing was done in a couple of days. Wow. I mean, at, yeah. After Tommy came into Cleveland recording, laid the stuff down. Yeah, a couple of days, and it was it was finished as far as the, the orchestration to it. That's so cool. But, yeah. And that song, did, did the record label ever complain at all that, you know, this is way too long? Because that ended up becoming a great radio song for you, but, you know, I think that was still pretty much uh, unusual for a song that yeah. long to get on the radio, right, at that time? Oh, it, was, it was definitely... Uh, along and the the company uh, Capital wanted to get a single version. I said, you can't make a single version of that song. You've got a three and a half minute or something version. And they so we did it. We did one and left out like the third verse or something. I said the song is not even complete. It's incomplete. And they kept saying, well, this is the way they want it to, so they could try to get some airplay on this song. Right, and then they finally uh, just gave up on it, and because everybody liked the whole thing, and I have been complimented by so many disc jockeys, Ralph, that uh, that that was perfect length of song for them to go if they had to do a number two or a number <laughs> one, right. or if they could grab a sandwich or they could have a smoke and grab a coffee, and, you know, exactly. get it all done and get back to the mic. <laughs> exactly, because I back when I was on the radio, that was still the way. We weren't doing it on a computer. Everything was turntables, and then later on CD players. And yeah, you loved you know after a few cups of coffee, man. Where's that long song? What can I play so I've got time yeah. to go down the hall? You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get away with that nowadays, though, unfortunately. But yeah, but yeah, that's for sure. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because that song was great. And that song, I seem to remember when when it was new, or newer anyway, maybe it wasn't when it was right brand new, but did that song get titled both ways? Because I seem to remember seeing it as Closer to Home, I'm Your Captain, and then I'm Your Captain, Closer to Home. Am I right yes, about it, that? Did it come out both yes. ways? Yes. And well, they, they put it on the album that way um, with both titles. Both titles on the album. Mm-hmm. I'm your yeah. captain, closer to home. Right, but but what I'm saying though is, then wasn't there also 
oppressing where it was listed closer to home first slash I'm your captain? I don't know. No? Okay. I couldn't tell you that for sure, brother. Gotcha. Because I seem to remember thinking to myself, wait, is this a different song? Because I thought I over my lifetime that I had seen two different pressings and it had it you know reversed on the other not the first round but the second round <laughs> i thought but you're very well could have <laughs> yeah yeah all right well i know we're getting short on time but um if you got time for just two more things i was just wanted to ask you what yeah. your what your best gig ever was and what your worst gig ever was the best gig i'd have to say was the uh, first atlanta pop festival it really started that- it all for you didn't it Yes, it did. Very grateful for that gig. And uh, the worst gig playing in Italy were playing baseball stadiums. Humble Pie is on stage. There's a, it's sold out. The stadium is sold out, and there's still a lot of fans outside, uh, a couple thousand fans outside that wanted in. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like uh, getting rowdy. So the Italian National Guard shows up, shoots tear gas over oh, no. the wall into the stadium. Oh, no. And Humble Pie was on stage. We were down in you know the dugout part waiting to go up and, and in the dressing area down under there. And... Because that gas falls, it came down there and, and killed us, man. Oh, we you could hardly see to get to the doorway to get the hell out of there. And uh yeah, that was that was a bummer. Wow. Wow. Were you it was st- a showstopper. Yeah. Well that's what I was just gonna say. Did that shut down the show or were did, oh, yeah. did the show still finish up? No. Wow. Well, that is definitely a big worst gig story for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, because well, the audience got doused too, you know. Right, right. And and there's, yeah. and I, I just wonder why they would have done that. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But Exactly. That's what I've said every day since then. <laughs> right, right. Why the hell? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but they did it. Whatever, yeah. Yep. All right, well, Mark, I want to keep you uh, somewhat on time here, so thank you so much for joining Radio Bypass today and sharing uh, some of your history with with all of us. It's wonderful, really great to talk to you. And everybody listening, don't forget Mark's new DVD from Chile with Love out April 6th. You can pre-order now, uh, markfarner.com. Search GoFundMe for Mark Farner. See if you can uh, pitch in for the mid-Michigan flood victims and of course remember your vets 800-882-1316 mark farner great to talk to you thank you brother ralph and for all the listeners on radio bypass god bless y'all if i don't see you in the future i'll see you in the pasture so there you have it that was my conversation with mark farner thursday night uh great to talk with him and we mentioned during the interview his new DVD that's coming out April 6th live in Chile. So I thought we'd wrap this interview up with an audio track from the DVD that Mark sent me so you can check out what uh, some of the live stuff on that DVD sounds like. So this is an audio piece from the live in Chile CD and or DVD rather. And we also talked about some of uh, our favorite deep cuts. So we're going to throw one of those in here too. So stick around right now for some uh, Grand Funk, Mark Farner, some great rock and roll music. Thanks for checking out the interview. And uh, thanks to Mark Farner for joining Radio Bypass. Do it right. We're 
Show. The name of the song is Rock and Roll Show.